Hey peoples, it's time for Caffeine with Kunan, and I'm the host Kunan, and today I'm joining you with water, because I just drank a large soda. So, uh, I already had my caffeine, now I'm going to hydrate, and let's get started. So, today we are continuing with Stephen Hassan's Bite Model, and we're actually going to finish it off. For those who are just coming in, the bite model is a good model to use to determine if any group uh, or where any group is at on uh, the cult spectrum. And there's behavioral control, information control, and thought control. And this week we're going over emotional control. So we will be finishing up this little bite model series. Uh, so let's get started. Um, I am using my former church, Bible Baptist Church, as an example, as we go over this bite model and talking about things from my memory that the church uh, used to do and likely still does. Um, so number one is to manipulate and narrow the range of feelings. Some emotions and or needs are deemed as evil, wrong, or selfish. Um, emotions like jealousy and some types of angers, uh, I don't know why I put S on that. Some types of anger are considered a sin. Um, wanting certain things or having certain desires are also a sin. Emotions like depression or anxiety are oversimplified and excused as a result of sinning. So for this number, I'm giving it a 7 because it really does impact how people behave, how they view themselves, and their mental health. The next one is number 2, and that's teach emotion-stopping techniques to block feelings of homesickness, anger, and doubt. Again, because this is not the type of cult where people move in, to the cult and people are still allowed to go home, there are certain things that people won't feel. However, they do use some techniques. A couple of techniques that I know about is using certain language, like stating, quote, I know the Bible is 100% true, unquote, or, quote, I know I'm saved and going to heaven, unquote. Using these I know things instead of I believe like reinstates uh, certain, certain beliefs as well as blocks, like helps them block some emotions that they like, such as doubt. Um, and then they often will talk about using songs in order to drive away sinful emotions. Uh, they'll also state, like, preach that certain songs will put you in a sinful state, such as listening to rock music. Um, so for this one, I'm giving it a five, and that's because of how often they use things like I know statements and other things that reinforce the beliefs that also do the work of blocking feelings, though they don't do them to block feelings. At least I can't prove that they do them to block feelings, but that is the um, end result. The next number, number three, is make the person feel that the problems are always their own fault, never the leader's or the group's fault. Now again, when I attended the church, 
I was a child and a teenager. So I'm not going to have as much information as other people have. However, I do remember during sermons, they would preach that people who are struggling just aren't showing enough faith in God. Or they would preach that people who are struggling, they're doing so because God is testing their faith. Now, this is kind of a big deal because another person who's about my age who attended the church because his entire family attended when I was attending had told me that they were starving as children and teenagers. And it was a major struggle. They didn't have enough money to buy food because all of the money that their dad earned was going to tithes and to the church for other things, um, like to give out to missionaries, to give out to evangelists, to help buy the church a new van, whatever it was. Um, I also know that many people would come forward and talk about how they were struggling financially, but that uh, their needs would be met. So you just have to have faith. So if you are having problems, especially financial problems, I know that they would put it down as never the church's fault, even if you are giving all of your money to the church. So for this one, I'm giving it a three, and it's mostly because of my lack of knowledge. If another person comes and says that they started to attend the church as an adult and that there were other problems that were brought up and the church would find a way to blame them as individuals instead of uh, realizing that it was an issue with the church or with the leadership, then I am more than willing to change that. Um, the next number is four, and that's to promote feelings of guilt or unworthiness, such as identity guilt, you're not living up to your potential, your family is deficient, your past is suspect, your affiliations are unwise, your thoughts, feelings, and actions are irrelevant or selfish, social guilt, and historical guilt. Now, uh, to go through a bunch of these, they definitely do this. They preach that every single person is a sinner. Even if you're saved, you are still a sinner and you're prone to um, want to sin. So you have to rise above that to live a Christ-like life and to honor God with your life. Um, and they will, like, they'll talk about how if your affiliations are people who are outside of church, they will definitely say that it's unwise because people who are living in sin are more likely to drag you down than you bring them up. Um, you are definitely encouraged to... Uh, regulate your thoughts and feelings and actions because they will be judged. But at the same time, uh, they are selfish because that's a sin. And um, you're not supposed to, like anything that happens that's good in your life, it, the honor for that is supposed to go to God and never yourself. So you're not supposed to like, feel good about anything unless it's like to be honoring God. Um, the only historical guilt I can think of is that if you uh, 
had worked before you started to attend the church, then they will state that you're supposed to be paying tithes to the church even before you become a member and are saved. So for this one, uh, for number four, I give it a rating of um, like five because they heavily push that you are not enough and that you will never be enough. It's all God. You know what? I'm going to raise that from a five to a seven um, because they do. That's something that they teach all the time to the students uh, and that they preach often from the pulpit. And it's something that they like kind of celebrate in a way because if you are doing good then that means that uh, God is working through you uh, type of thing um, and people like they'll be like I know that I'm a sinner but through God I can do all these amazing things um, and stuff like that so I would put this at a seven and the next number number five is to instill fear and the first example that they have for that is to uh, think independently. And for me, that's a weird thing to answer because they, as a church, already believe that they are thinking independently. After all, it's in the title of what they say when they are supposed to introduce themselves in the church to people, that they are an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. Um... And it's the rest of the world who thinks a certain way. And the people of this church are the ones who are thinking independently. So, uh, however, if you do think differently from other members of the church, depending on how extreme what you're thinking is, uh, then they, they'll preach against it. Um, and then the next couple of examples are the outside world and enemies. Um, again, the world is a sinful, worldly place. And it's not where God's people are meant to be and to live in. And the enemies, uh, I've already listed before. There are several of them, um, including feminists, pro-choice people, Democrats, liberals, socialists, um, and so forth. So they just, they have a long list. Um, the next example is losing one salvation. This one is kind of a little bit different because they believe that there's only a limited list of sins where God will banish you from heaven, even if you have gotten saved. One of those sins, though, is being part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so in general, they don't really like you don't have a fear of losing your salvation unless you are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, the next example is leaving or being shunned by the group. Um because of the preaching that those who do leave do it because of sin, that makes it hard for people to choose to leave. It does happen, though. Also, uh, you will be shunned by the group, but 
it it's different depending on what reasons you left for so say if you were a spouse who was being beaten and you divorced and then people started shunning you socially um so you left the church in order to find a different community then those who are really close friends to you may still talk to you but you'll still be shunned from all the social circles um and you'll still be talked about behind your back and but this does impact people and um, people who are deciding to leave for a variety of reasons the next example is others disapproval they definitely do this for children um i know it's something that i had gotten in trouble once at home but it impacted my school and so i was called into the pastor's office because he's the headmaster for the school and I remember him telling me that he should spank me, but instead he's going to talk to me about how disappointed he was in me. Um, having the disapproval of certain leaders is something that you want to stay away from. However, it's not something that they lord over you, like over you publicly. And then the last example is historical guilt. Um, and so for this section, I put it at a six because uh, some of the things do heavily impact people and make it very difficult for them to consider leaving the church. However, um, it's not as extreme as um, some other churches. Like some other beliefs do believe that you can lose your salvation, so they're more able to hold that over people. Other beliefs, uh, are, other churches are massive and are so large that you wouldn't be able to run into someone who wasn't a member of the church, uh, like within the community. Um, or it may possibly impact your job and stuff like that. So that doesn't really happen here unless you chose to work for someone who goes to the church. Um, in general, uh, what really ends up happening is when people do leave because they had felt fear, um, depend, and again, depending on how old they are, they will often seek out other people who they knew, like who they knew who had left in order to talk to them about it because it did impact their life so much and they feel like they need to justify leaving the church and they need to uh, have somebody tell them that they were right to do so. The next example is, uh, or the next number is number six and that's extremes of emotional highs and lows. Love bombing and praise one moment and then declaring you are a horrible sinner the next. Yes. Um, Members are love-bombed when they are raising money for a cause or trying to get people to volunteer or doing a sermon about why they don't know how horrible things happen or if members are pretty new. Um, they'll be really, really love-bombed. But then the other types of sermons they have are meant to emotionally, uh, or are meant 
to emotionally preach about things, about different sins and about how we're expected to live life on this world, but not of this world, meaning to avoid sins, to show that we're Christ-like. Um, there are two examples I have for these types of sermons. One that I remember was one where Pastor Duffett was preaching about the Ten Commandments, and he had gotten to the part about uh, thou shalt not murder. And um, there was like a point where Jesus said, if you had thought, or if you had the thought in your, your mind, it is like you had actually done the deed. And so the pastor was talking about like, in this scenario, he was uh, before an actual judge going through each sin and showing how he had broken each law of God's 10 commandments. Um, and so in this one, when he was like, I have never murdered anybody. And then they brought up that thought thing that Jesus said, he was like, uh, it, it might get louder in a second. He was like, it might, he was like, I remember I get so angry and something would be happen, and I'd start seeing red and he'd be like yelling and he'd be like, and I would just be ready to go and kill. And then he'd stop and he'd be like, and I realized I had broken that law. And it's like, it would draw out these emotions in you like I had, like I am such a horrible sinner. Um, the other sermon that I remember that some parents who didn't attend the church, but their teens did, actually pulled their teens out of church because of this sermon. And it was one where... Um, Doug Duffett uh, was preaching at like a teen rally or something and he was preaching about hell and how real it was and then he talked about how um, this group of scientists had dug a hole ex like the deepest hole they had ever dug and then they put a microphone down there and they uh, recorded it and the recording that they got back had screams and then they played this recording uh during the sermon and I literally like had these things crawling like I felt these things crawling all over my body and I was like lifting my legs up off the floor because it scared me so much um in fact even though you're only supposed to get saved once because once you're saved you're saved for life I had gotten saved several times because of the emotion like emotions they would make me feel and the doubt that I would feel as they were preaching. Um, and they would point out that if you're having any doubts, it's not coming from the devil because the devil wants you to think that you're saved. It's coming from God because you should get saved. Uh, so I had gotten saved several times as I was attending that church because they would often uh, do different types of super emotional preaching type things in order to get you to feel a certain way. So for this one, I'm putting it at a seven. Um, and then the next one, the next number is number seven. And that one is ritualistic and sometimes public confession of sins. Now, again, Bible Baptist Church doesn't do the type of confessions that people typically associate with that word. However, um, you are supposed to confess your sins to God when you are praying to help you 
overcome those sins and live a more Christ-like life. Um, and they do teach you how to pray, but it's more like guidelines than an actual script you're supposed to repeat. And then they will have people confess things publicly, um, and they will use it uh, sometimes to force members to do that, like to do it. Uh, you could lose your membership if you decide not to do a public confession of your sin if the pastor feels that it's bad enough. Um, and there were a couple of times that I remember some public confessions. Um, the one that got to me the most was this time. I don't think the pastor knew about it. I think that uh, the, the individual who did this just felt so guilty and they were like, I need to do this now. And it was testimony time. So it was the perfect time for him to get up and do it. But a man had actually stood up uh, during this confession time and confessed about his infidelity to his wife, who then got up and ran out of the room. And the pastor, like, was unsure of what to do next because it was not something that he had planned or prepared for. And... I feel so bad for the spouse uh, having to deal with all of that publicly. But I, at the same time, it was so funny the way that man was just like, if I just get this out to you, I will feel better. And I was just like, this is not meant for you. This is, no. Um, so for this one, I'm giving it a four uh, simply because they don't do these public confessions uh, during every service. I think that once a week they'll have a testimony time and the testimonies are not just for confessions. They're also meant uh, to talk about how God has moved in your life, um, ways that he's helped you, hard times that you're going through, whatever. So it's not just for a public. So I'm giving that one a four. And I'm giving it a four because the few times that it did happen, it would really impact me um, as a teenager watching people react to their public confessions and then ha being asked uh, to give my own public confession and being told if I didn't, I would no longer be a member and my choosing to no longer being a member um, instead of publicly confessing because of how extreme it, it looked, uh, and it's not like they did, um, it's not like they did anything physically extreme, but the extremeness of standing up and putting yourself into the hands of a church that would gossip a lot and that would, uh, change how they viewed you and, uh, it would change how you're able to interact and what social circles you were allowed in um, for a church that preaches some of the sermons that they do. Uh, that's why it's a four. The next number is number eight, and that is phobia indoctrination. Uh, inculcating... I'm probably saying that wrong, irrational fears about leaving the group or questioning the leader's authority. Some examples of this are um, that there's no happiness or fulfillment possible outside of the group. I already brought this up. 
And people have already told me, like members from the church, when I would talk about certain issues, they'd be like, yeah, well, you're just a miserable person because that's what they're taught. Um, the next example is terrible consequences if you leave. For example, hell, demon possession, incurable diseases, accidents, suicide, insanity, 10,000 reincarnations, etc. Um, they do... Uh, so unless you are becoming uh, an atheist and rejecting God completely or part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, you don't have to worry about hell when you're leaving because once you're saved, you're always saved. Um, however, demon possession is, a, is something that they preach is possible, um, though not likely. Uh, incurable diseases, accidents, suicide, insanity are also things that they preach could happen. In fact, there's this one story, and this actually kept me from leaving the church for a while because I was pretty scared. Um, there's this one story that they would tell about how a missionary uh, came home early because his wife complained too much, and he watched his entire family die in front of him. Um, he had two young twin sons and they were toddlers and they were playing and a rattlesnake bit one. And so he ran to grab the child who was bitten by a ton of rattlesnakes to bring him to the hospital. And as he was driving off, he accidentally ran over his other son and his wife, who was watching from the door, died from a heart attack seeing all of this happen. And the son he was bringing to the hospital died on the way to the hospital. Um, and they would tell this as a true story. And they would tell a lot of other stories like this in order to get you to fear leaving the church because uh, either Satan could come after you or God could punish you. And God will punish you for leaving. Um, the next example is shunning those who leave fear of being rejected by friends and family. So they won't say that they're shunning people, but they will. However, members are supposed to be nice enough to ex-members to try to get them to come back. But like all other sinners, they're not supposed to get close enough to them where they could possibly start sliding into the sin themselves. Um, so there are a couple of people who are still nice to me from the church even to this day. Like, we won't hang out and go do stuff, but if I run into them in public, they'll smile and be and be like, hi, how are you doing? You know, and I'll respond. There are other people who, because I am openly out, uh, they will not be nice to me and they will be completely rude. Um, and that's because I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community and I actively speak out for rights of marginalized communities. Um, and I'm openly out as an atheist as well, which is never a good thing. Uh, the next example is uh, never a legitimate reason to leave. Those who do leave are weak, undisciplined, unspiritual, worldly. I like how they put that in there because that's a word they use a lot at Bible Baptist Church. Brainwashed by family or counselor or seduced by money, sex, or rock and roll. Um the only exceptions at Bible Baptist Church for leaving are if you are moving out of the area or you're becoming a missionary or going to college or something like that. Those are the only reasons to leave the church. All other reasons are because of sin 
Um, and I've heard many of these examples that they talked about as reasons why people thought other members or other ex-members had left. And the last one is threats of harm to ex-member and family. Um, I've never heard, like they'll say, no, we do not do any threats of harm to people. The only harm that they advocate for when talking about most ex-members is the mental health problems that come with shunning members when they kick them out because their sins are too great. The other thing is that some preachers will advocate for harm to people in the LGBTQ plus community, which is really kind of a big deal. And they're not just talking about mental health problems. They're talking about advocating to physically harm people in the LGBTQ plus community. So for this section, I give it a six um, because of how extreme it is. So, okay. So the total for this, um, this section, the emotional control is five and it's just a little over five. Uh, and that puts the total for all of the groups, uh, for all of the bite model at, that puts it at five and just over five as well. So rounding down to five. So five out of 10 on the cult-like list is actually pretty high for a church that does not have people move onto their property and control everything because they control what access people have to um, information and just the outside world. Um, so that's why I feel pretty comfortable about stating that Bible Baptist Church is a cult. Um, it's not as extreme of a cult as some other churches, but it definitely belongs under that label. See y'all later. Um.